This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids. The podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Today is going to be awesome because I love episodes when we are answering a question that I didn't even know to ask. Oh, exactly, exactly. So what problem are we solving today? What would happen if we didn't have magnets? What would happen if we didn't have magnets? I'm guessing, right? I'm guessing this is something pretty big. Who is our guest today, Jeff, that's going to explain all this to us? Our guest today is the expert on the topic, Dr. Dario Arena, and he is Associate Professor of none other than physics at the (laughs) University of South Florida. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dario. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very happy to be on uh, on Solve It for Kids. Well, we are excited to have you or talk about all things magnetic, which is going to be a really cool episode, I think. So I have to ask, were you that kid that played with magnets? Yes, I was the kid who played with magnets. Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> I wanted one of those giant magnets that the Roadrunner had, that, that oh the Coyote God. had, that he used <laughs> yeah. to catch the Roadrunner with. I really wanted one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. those I think we all did as kids, yes. Oh, yeah, I like exactly. That. So I do need to ask now, what was the biggest or strongest magnet you had when you were Yeah. When I was a kid... The magnets were, I'm old enough to to be sort of an earlier generation of magnets where okay. they had that U-shape and yes. those were not that strong. No, so weren't. now we have much better magnets that are shaped like a bar. Right. Those, those are much, much stronger magnets and you can do all sorts of fun things with them. You can even levitate trains with those kinds of magnets. Yes. Yes, that's very cool. So how did your love of magnets as a kid turn into a career down the road? Well, you know, the love of magnets sort of led me to physics. Okay. uh, Okay. Because I wanted to understand how magnets work. Yeah. And so to understand how magnets work, you have to understand some physics. And so that's kind of led me to the path of trying to figure out the things that I should study, which turned out to be physics. And then eventually when I got my first, when I finished my, my PhD, my doctorate, I got a job using x-rays to look at magnets. Wow. Yeah. So that was very cool. That was a really cool job. And then that led to my working on magnetic materials and sort of understanding their, how they're put together and their properties using this really cool instrument called a synchrotron. Wow. Yeah, wow. so that, that was All a right. lot of fun. That sounds we fun. We have got some cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. So I want to start at the beginning. 
Can you describe for us in sort of basic terms how a magnet works? Yeah. So to talk about how a, a magnet works, I got to talk about a property called angular momentum. And that's okay. a big word. Okay. But angular momentum is kind of like the mass of an object, but it's a little bit different. So the mass of an object is related to a property that we call inertia. Basically, how difficult is it to move that, yes. that object? Yep. Angular momentum, we kind of think of, we use it a, a term called spin, which is a little inexact, but you can kind of think of it that way. So an example of angular momentum is a bicycle. Oh, yeah. Okay. And a bicycle, you know, if you just are not pedaling and you try to sit on a bike, you'll tip over. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. You can't but sit you, on a bike if you're not moving. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't work. You got to pedal. You got to have those wheels spinning. When the wheels spin, they produce a property called angular momentum. And that angular momentum keeps you balanced. Oh. So that is and how wow. magnets work is essentially pulling together all the angular momentum of the electrons in a material in a way that they stabilize the 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 direction of those little little tiny angular momenta of the individual magnets. I so did not can, know this. this. I have never heard cool. it explained no. this way. Very, okay. very cool. So it, it it relies on this sort of uh, really basic property of electrons called angular momentum, the way that many other properties rely on the mass of objects. Okay. okay. So how does this relate to what like we know about magnets, how it attracts other magnetic objects or repels them? How does that angular momentum play into that? So everything has angular momentum. Okay. The trick is you can kind of, the, pro, the trick or the problem, depending on how you want to look at it, is that <laughs> most materials, all of that angular momentum cancels out. So think about a bike again a bicycle wheel if a bicycle wheel is spinning in one direction it's going to have angular momentum in one direction if you have a second bicycle wheel that's spinning the opposite way it's going to have an angular momentum as well and they cancel out okay okay, got it and in most materials that we experience every day that's what happens to the angular momentum of the electrons they just cancel out okay all right there are some special materials that we call magnets, right. where they don't entirely cancel out. So now I have more, let's use left and right. Okay. I have more angular momentum pointing, let's say, to the left than okay. it does to the right. Okay. So now I've got a net angular momentum pointing to the left. And that angular momentum, if you study the math a little bit, produces a magnetic field that then wow. can be to attract objects. No wow. kidding. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of blown away here. Wow. Yeah, I, really I mean, have I just never thought they're it. little magnets, you know? That's so <laughs> yes. cool. Yeah, they, they are little magnets the all the way down to the level of electrons. Right. But I mean, you did. I didn't really think about how the electrons move in the field that they create is how all of it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So that leads me, you were mentioning (laughs) earlier that we now have bar-shaped magnets instead of those Mm -hmm. U's, and if you use one end of the bar, it will attract something, and if you use the other end of the bar, 
it may repulse something. If that other object is magnetic, okay. it's sort of intrinsically magnetic. So if okay. you have one of these bar magnets, they have two two sides to them. We typically call them north and south. Right. And if you sort of, uh, most people use magnets to like stick stuff on their fridge, right? Right, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so My fridge is take, covered with magnets. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's what, that's what we all do. We put pictures of our kids, our dogs, yeah, uh, right. notes yeah. to remember to pick up the milk, all sorts <laughs> yes. of things. Chores, list of chores go up there too. Um, yep. But with a, when you're using a magnet to stick something to a fridge, it doesn't matter which side you're using, north or south. Because the material underneath the fridge, it has electrons that respond to the field that's produced by that north or south pole of the magnet. It's going to produce an attractive force either way. However, if you bring a magnet, uh, a north pole, uh, let's say two bar magnets, and you put their north poles together, you're going to feel a force that is repulsive, that wants to push the two objects away. Okay. If you have a North Pole next to a South Pole, now you get an attractive force and it wants to pull the two objects together. Okay. So opposites attract, right? Yes. So North and South will attract. North and North will repel. South and South will repel. Okay. Okay. So you're saying that every material has types of magnetic qualities in it that's just not oh it's just not necessarily magnetic as we would think about it is that correct yeah that is correct and um, i told you a, a tiny tiny lie okay <laughs> and i'm sorry about that <laughs> i said that most materials are not magnetic and that is almost true there's this property of all materials called diamagnetism uh, which ah. is another big giant word but that is something that occurs when you stick an object in a really, really strong magnetic field. And then you can actually make that object very, very, very slightly magnetic. And you can do some cool things with that. So, for example, there are some videos on the web that you can find called The Levitating Frog. Oh, my God. Where you can actually put a a little tiny frog in a uh, droplet of water and you put it in a big magnetic field and the frog is happy because the water and the frog, because most of us are animals are mostly made up of water, has this little diamagnetic contribution. And the diamagnetism is like that North Pole with the North Pole or the South Pole with the South Pole. It's a repulsive force. Right. So you can now get that little frog in its bubble of water to float in midair. Oh, my gosh. There are some videos online about this. There's a guy called Andrew Gein, G-E-I-M. And he was the guy who did this levitating frog experiment. Oh, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, something like that. He's a really smart guy. He discovered... Later on, after he did the levitating frog, he discovered a material called graphene, which is a super, super cool material. I know all about graphene. Yeah. And he ended up winning the Nobel Prize. But Uh, he started out using big, giant magnets to do all sorts of cool experiments, including levitating frogs. 
Okay. Wow. wow. That really does sound cool. And it's got to be a cool experiment if you are a guy that works with all of this stuff and yeah. you think it's that cool. It is. It is super so, cool. So we can't let Andrew steal any of your limelight. So for this episode, so what kind of cool experiments, how do you work with magnets and magnetism? Yeah. So what I do now mostly is I study a property, a type of magnet called a thin film magnet. So what does that mean? It means that when basically I stack different magnetic materials together or magnetic materials and materials that aren't magnetic, and I try to get some cool new properties out of those materials. So why do we do something like that? And I'm kind of like my dog. I'm always motivated by food. (laughs) I think you just pulled all of our listeners in. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So the kind of the analogy I like to use is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. So I like bread. I like peanut butter. I like jelly. Yeah. Excellent. But if I take a slice of bread and I put a layer of peanut butter on top, and then I put a layer of jelly on top of the peanut butter, and then I put another piece of bread on top, I've got these layers in there. When I take a bite of that, it's much better. It has different properties than the individual bread or the individual peanut butter and the individual jelly. And it's that kind of stacking on top of one another that we do kind of at the atomic level in my lab. So growing new kinds of films and then checking out their interesting magnetic properties. So with to what end? Are you trying to create new materials that do cool things? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. So we are trying to create materials that uh, we have a couple of different sort of projects going. We have materials that will vibrate back and forth. The term we use is oscillate at really, really high frequencies in a a type of a range of frequencies called terahertz, which is kind of in between radio and microwaves and visible light. It's kind of a hard, hard part of the what's called the electromagnetic spectrum. It's a hard region to operate in. So we're trying to develop materials for that. And we're also using these materials to do something called spin injection. Again, going back to that angular momentum that we were talking about, we want to inject that angular momentum into a material that's normally not magnetic. For example, graphene. Oh, wow. Okay. So there are advantages of, of using the materials that I grow in my lab for this kind of new material development. Okay. And then that will allow so us cool. to hopefully to get, you know, faster electronics, new kinds of communications. About to be my question yeah. on what types of applications for this stuff. Yeah. So it has to do with getting electronics that work faster. Electronics okay. that also interact with light. So you can have optoelectronics for oh, things wow. like uh, deep really? space communication. Oh, Whoa. Wow. Really high frequency stuff. So it's it's things that, you know, might be, we might be talking to people on Mars one day using the kinds of technologies that the materials we're developing permit. Wow. And, and I assume that would be faster than what we the capability we have now because it, of course it all depends on how far mars is 
based on earth. And, you know, I've heard estimates anywhere from 45 minutes to a couple of hours potentially to talk. They believe yeah. to talk to astronauts when yeah. we get there. Yeah. We, we, we can't change that. That's, that's based on the speed of light and we can okay. sort of transmit, we can transmit information that will take us, you know, however long it, uh, however far Mars is at that particular instant. Right. What we can do, however, is we can squeeze a lot of information into the communications that we send. Uh, okay. So it doesn't make the talking back and forth faster, but it allows more information to be sent in, in a short amount of time. Gotcha. Which- well, that would also be helpful, though, right? Sure. Instead of like sending one direction and then waiting to get, come back and then right. sending another step. And, you know, if you could send like 10 steps at one time or something. Sure. Like if we wanted to send wow. them the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie over to Mars, <laughs> we're going to need to put in a lot of information. Everybody there. needs that movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So I'd like to jump into your brain or your your team's brain in your <laughs> lab just a little bit on this sounds really really cool i have no idea how you come up with the ideas to test uh, to create these new things that you're creating how does that happen how do you think <laughs> about oscillation over here or adding angular momentum over here how does that process kind of work it's a little like learning a new language, uh, wow. right? So what happens is, you know, if you're learning a new language, you learn with some basic vocabulary, right? right. So you learn right. what's the word for what's the word for dog, what's the word for play, what's the word for rain, right. and then you start stringing those things together in sentences, and then right. you start stringing the sentences together in paragraphs. And then it gets, you know, it can get more complicated and more complicated and more complicated. And as you're doing that, you're also reading in the the new language. And so the way that we come up with ideas is by reading a bunch of other people's work and then thinking about how, how we do our experiments and what can, and that often sort of triggers new ideas for us. And the best part of it is when you're doing some kind of experiment and you get something that you don't expect. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. That's when that's when really cool things happen. Okay. So, the question for the episode cuz now we've explained a little bit what magnets are is what would happen if we didn't have magnets or magnetic materials? So, what do you can you tell us what would happen? It would be a complete catastrophe. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah. Catastrophe. Think so, about all the why? fun things that you do now. You know, you get to maybe drive your car, you get to go to ride roller coasters, right? you get to use your smartphones, you get to stream TV shows. Yep. Sure. Uh, you get to use electricity. Oh, None okay. of that that's would true. Exist yes. Without without magnetic materials. Oh my gosh. That's, Talk about so, something I that's haven't a lot. ever thought of. Yeah. We would be back to the Bronze Age <laughs> without wow. magnetic materials. And there's another problem. The Earth itself is a giant magnet. Yes. Yes. And it produces a big magnetic field. And that magnetic field 
protects us from kind of radiation <laughs> that the sun puts out. Right. Because right. the sun spits out all sorts of things, including charged particles, electrons, protons, and what are called alpha particles, which are the, the nuclei of, of helium atoms. Right. That stuff would bombard the Earth and make life uh, impossible if it wasn't for the protection of the Earth's magnetic field. Right. Wow. So, so, so yeah, magnets so are a big deal, is what they you're saying. They are a yeah. big deal. <laughs> yeah. T- turns out Earth without a magnetic field is Mars. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you said we would be back to the Bronze Age if that happened. Is is magnetism and magnetic materials something that was discovered along the way of humanity being alive? Yes, actually. The some of the oldest, let's say, technological materials turn out to be magnets. Ah. Uh, so there's this really uh, old material called lodestone. Okay. Which is <laughs> an iron oxide. The chemical oh. formula is Fe3O4, three iron atoms and four oxygen atoms. Lodestones are, there's information dating back to 1,000 years BCE, before the Christian era, of people in Mexico in what was called the Olmec civilization, using lodestones for ceremonial purposes. Those were also the earliest compasses magnetic compasses that people use to navigate around the world there are written records going back to ancient greece to 600 bce and then the earliest compasses were in china in about 200 bce so magnetic materials have been around technologically for a really really long time and then you know as we entered into the industrial revolution and, and slightly before that, we started getting better and better at understanding the magnetism and then using it for our purposes. And one of the biggest and most important uses is to generate electricity. Yes. Right. Which we like. <laughs> we, we do kind Why of yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's very helpful. So, okay. So I'm curious. So if you were going to talk to a kid these days, you know, in grade school, high school, whatever, and they want to go into this and kind of do what you do, what would you tell them? Where would they start? Well, I'd say, you know, start, go to your library. My uh, my go-to ah, answer for nice. most yeah. things for kids is go to your library and, and ask a librarian to help you learn a little bit more about it. And then in addition to that, a lot of universities and a lot of laboratories will run things like science summer camps. Right. And that is a, a great place to get information. There are some of the, the big laboratories, if you're lucky enough to live next to some of the big laboratories in the U.S. or other parts of the world, sometimes, usually a few times a year, they'll have open houses. And then okay. you can go and check those places out and look at the really cool experimental tools and toys that the scientists <laughs> get to play around with. That sounds and, fun. Yeah, yeah. And then get involved if you're in high school or, or even in, uh, in grade school, get involved with a, a STEM club, a maker's club, 
all these things kind of get the, the the same parts of the brain working right. that you would need to to learn about magnetic materials. Yeah. So so I have to say that so you also worked at Brookhaven Lab for mm-hmm. what 14 years. So yeah. I got to visit there which was amazing. And then CERN had an open day that I got to go to back in 2019. And mm-hmm. I got to see the Alice detector, oh, wow. which was just amazing. I will um, love that. It, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. I'm there, jealous. Yeah. <laughs> there, There's a book on particle physics forthcoming. <laughs> oh, um, awesome. But yeah, it was. So any of those things are amazing. And there's, there's really cool labs all over the place, even at universities. They may not have big, huge particle detectors, but they have really amazing facilities. So yeah, I think that's a great place to check out. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we were in Ireland, I crashed a STEM event at Trinity College in Dublin. Oh, how fun. So we we went to see the Book of Kells, and then we're walking around the university and I see a sign for, you know, STEM, something like STEM Open Day. I'm like, nice. well, I got to go check this out. Got to go yeah. walk through there. Yeah. Got to find out who's doing physics in there. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So oh, then I started fun. grilling them about what they're doing and what their uh, activities are. I'm like, I am going to steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> there nice. you go. There you go. Nice. So I want to go. I want to back up before Jen gets us moving along. All the way to the beginning, there was something you said I wanted to go back to ask you a question about. What does a magnet look like under an X-ray? Oh, good question. Uh, oh, that is a good question. And the answer is, it depends. It depends, <laughs> it okay. depends on the kind of X-ray you're using. Oh. So if you use what's called a high-energy X-ray, X-rays okay. are like light. It is, yes. it is. It has a, a, a wavelength. Yes. If right. the wavelength of the X-ray is really high, then it has about the same wavelength as the separation of atoms in that material. Wow. So you can shoot the X-ray into that material, and it will kind of reflect off at specific angles. Oh. And by measuring that really, really carefully, you can then work out where the atoms are in that material. That's no, called a scattering. My gosh. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty amazing. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It, that was that's one of the really cool things about x-rays is you can get down to atomic wow. resolution of where stuff is in materials. Another like, cool I'm thing. I'm imagining. So I'm yeah. sorry. No, go ahead. Saying, I'm imagining like in a Guardian of the Galaxies movie or something where they do that <laughs> CGI and they go all the way down into that atomic, you're actually seeing where specific atoms are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a piece wow. of something. That's incredible. It is. Yeah. It's really amazing. I never get tired of that. Uh, <laughs> there are also ways you can do what's called microscopy and get down to looking at magnetic structures using wow. x-rays and you can get down to a size scale of about let's say i think the best ones can go down to about five nanometers oh my Whoa. goodness yeah Whoa. so like a human eyelash small is yes. a tenth of a millimeter right and <laughs> a nanometer is like a hundred thousand times smaller than that 
Oh yep. my gosh. So really, really, really tiny scale. So you can look wow. at the atoms and then you can also look at how those spins that I was talking about actually get arranged down to the level of five nanometers. That's incredible. I totally understand why you're so excited about the stuff you're doing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Totally get it. It's, I, I it's mean, fun. It's, it's amazing. And and it's not science fiction. Like, this is real. Yes. This is what you get to do. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. Well, we could talk to you forever, Dr. Dario. But we are at that time where we ask our guests to give our listeners a challenge. I'm very curious to hear what your challenge will be for our listeners. Okay. I've got two challenges for the listeners uh, of Solve okay. It for Kids. One is to get a magnet. And in particular, if you can get one of those really strong magnets that you see sometimes, they're, they're okay. often like colored silver. So you should check with your parents first because they have to know about the magnets because the magnets can stick pretty strongly to things. Oh. But check with your, <laughs> check with your yeah. parents first and then see what you can pick up with that magnet. So oh. try, it, try it on something like a pencil. See right. if that'll okay. work. Try it on a plastic spoon. Try it on a metal spoon. Okay. Try it on a paper clip. If you happen to have hair, which I don't, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> try it on a hair clip. And if you use a hair clip, you can try different parts of the hair clip. Like, does the plastic part stick? Does the metal right. part stick? And I see like if you that. can figure out what things stick to magnets and what doesn't. Okay. okay. Another cool thing you can do with a magnet is you can make your own compass. Ooh, I like oh. that. Yeah. So you can take one of these strong magnets, these little silver magnets, and grab something like a needle. Again, check with your parents first, because yeah. uh, needles are sharp. And then you can rub that magnet in the same direction, maybe 25, 30 times on that needle. Okay. Okay. And then take the, the, the magnet away. Put that needle on something that floats in the water, like a little piece of cork, and then put that needle on the cork on in a bowl of water. Okay. And what you'll see is that needle should align with that magnetic field of the earth that we were talking about before. Wow. So you just okay. make your own little compass. I like that. You can that. make That's your own compass. So yeah. Super. So cool. Jeff, you'll have to try that with your daughter. That'll oh, Totally. Fun. And let us totally. Know. I think I need a stronger one because my my fridge magnets aren't quite that strong. But <laughs> my, but 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 we're definitely if we don't have one, we're definitely going to get one because I think that's fun because I know exactly where North is from my house. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I'll be measuring. I'll be checking to see. And that's I love fantastic. that you brought in two challenges. Yeah. That bring all of our listeners, kids and adults, right into your world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I hope they. Uh, where I hope they do come into my world. We need more and more people doing these sorts of things. Oh yeah, this would be fabulous. Well, I know you have two of us here. Jeff and I will just show All up right. one day and help you. Come by anytime. <laughs> well, this has been such a wonderful chat. Thank yes. you so much for being on Solve It for Kids, Doctor Dario. Thank you, Doctor Dario. Oh, thanks for having me, Jen and Jeff. This has been a lot of fun. Whoa, the answer was a little more frightening than I was expecting, but yeah, I am kinda. really glad that we had this chat with Dr. Dario. Oh, absolutely. And his challenges, he gave us two of them, remember everybody, okay. using your regular fridge magnets, go around the house and find out what you can pick up. 
I know some of us have done this before. It is time to go do it again because <laughs> you never know what things in your house are going to have those attractive metals and which right. ones aren't and be magnetic. Exactly. And then I know lots of us have heard about this second challenge, but I bet we haven't done it. Listeners, it's time to do it. Let's make our own compass. Yeah. Oh, I've done it. It's been a really long time. I think I did this in grade school, which we won't talk about how long ago that was. But everybody should try it. It's so fun. And, you know, I also, one thing that I've tried too is sometimes when I'm looking at my fridge magnets, I look at, I compare their magnetic qualities, right? Like some of them are stronger than the other. I mean, you can get into all these different things, right? Oh, definitely. I think all of our listeners are going to grab the strongest magnet they have on their fridge to use for this first challenge. Absolutely. And if you do that, of course, share your stuff with us. We would love to hear what you have, what your experiments have resulted in. Remember, we are at KidSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out our website, SolveItForKids.com, where you will find information about Dr. Dario, about magnets, and we're going to give some book recommendations so you can learn more and experiment more. Maybe you will become a professor of physics one day and study magnetism yourself. Maybe, and it might start with this challenge. When you're doing this challenge, We want to know if you find something magnetic in your house that you didn't expect, something surprising. Exactly. So please share that with us. Until next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve Solve It It for For Kids. Kids.